Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Today, we are tackling another very hard and very vulnerable topic, an invisible cross that many struggle with silently in the shadows. Today, we're talking about the cross of infertility. If you've ever asked a woman when she's getting pregnant or why she hasn't given her parents a grandchild yet, or if she plans on having a a boy or a girl on top of the children they already have, and you've been met with an awkward giggle or darting eyes, I want you to stop for a moment. The intimate details of whether or not a couple has been blessed with the gift of children are just that, intimate It may also trigger a flood of emotions because one in eight couples are burdened with the invisible pain of infertility. For the first almost five years of our marriage, my husband and I were one of those couples. As you heard me say in the intro, I've struggled with faith on more than one occasion. My journey through infertility is probably the most definitive time of struggle during my faith that I can remember. At the time, we seemed to be surrounded by pregnant women and couples announcing their first, second, or third child, all while we tried to smile happily for them and mask our pain of our emptiness at the same time. So when someone asked us a well-intentioned question like, when's it going to be your turn? It stung. A lot. When we finally did conceive, after a year of charting and watching and surgery for endometriosis, We lost our first baby just nine weeks after we learned of their existence. I was so angry with God. Angry because I felt called to be a mother, and that's all I wanted in life. So why wasn't he letting me have it? And it makes people uncomfortable when you talk about it, so I didn't. I buried it deep inside where it began to fester into resentment. The very few who knew of our trials harmlessly suggested adoption, and while I admire those who can adopt, we couldn't financially afford it, which felt like another setback in our journey. Eventually, we were able to conceive and maintain not just one, but three healthy pregnancies, though they weren't without their own unique trials. And although my arms are no longer empty, that ache is one I won't soon forget, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. For many, though, infertility isn't just a season. It's a lifetime. Infertility affects both men and women, physically and emotionally. The worst part, though, was feeling isolated. Like, we were in a desert alone, searching for an oasis that others had been able to find, but we couldn't. It wasn't until I started opening up about my story publicly that I found a tribe of other women who were also struggling and we were able to make necessary connections. Today, I'm honored to be sharing the microphone with Anne Koshut, co-founder of Springs in the Desert, to share with us her journey to this much-needed ministry and advice for couples currently carrying the cross of infertility. 
And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast again. I'm, I'm really excited to have you back on the program. I feel like this is a topic that isn't talked about enough. And as someone who has been through it, I, I would like to talk about it more so that other people don't feel so alone. So thank you so much for coming to chat with me about this. Oh, I'm so glad for the invitation, Rachel. It's really great to be with you again. So for people who didn't listen to our previous episode, actually about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I live in central Pennsylvania uh, with my husband, Keith. We've been married for about 12 years now. Um, we got married a little bit later in life, and um, we credit the Blessed Mother as being our matchmaker. So I think you can't have a better better person to put you together with <laughs> with the one you're going to spend your life with. So I am a cradle Catholic. I'm actually a Byzantine Catholic. So even though I live within kind of the boundaries of the Harrisburg Diocese, um, I'm actually part of the Byzantine Catholic Eparchy of Passaic. And so that's a whole other show. But, um, but you know, my husband and I, uh, he's also Byzantine Catholic. And we have just found that living in this area has been so fruitful because, you know, we obviously have our parish of St. Anne's in Harrisburg, but there are so many beautiful Roman Catholic parishes around us. And so just in this area, area, there's just such a beautiful kind of uh, uh, melding and friendship between the East and the West. So that has been really, really fruitful and, and wonderful. That's really cool. And I think last time that you had come on the program, I think was the first time I had ever learned about Byzantine Catholicism. And I think that that's, I, lo I love what you said. It's a perfect description. It's a beautiful marriage of East and West. And I think that, that right. I think that that's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about your mission about Springs in the Desert. How did it come to be? And what is your primary purpose? Sure. So Springs in the Desert is a Catholic ministry. We were founded uh, to accompany couples, women. Women primarily are the first ones who come to us, um, but we're really there for couples um, because infertility uh, is something that is a cross that's carried in marriage. It's something that's carried together. So uh, our mission is to accompany uh, spiritually and emotionally those uh, who are carrying the cross of infertility and also of pregnancy loss, particularly as it relates to that experience of infertility. So uh, Springs in the Desert was founded by myself and my friend Kimberly Henkel in 2019. We are both graduates of the Pontifical JP2 Institute in Washington, D.C. So we were really steeped in the beautiful anthropology and theology of the church, especially of John Paul II, with regard to marriage and family and just all of that wonderful formation. Uh, but each of us, once we got married, Kimberly also got married a little bit later in life, we were confronted with infertility. And, you know, when you're steeped in this beautiful formation, about marriage and family, and then your real life kind of rubs up against that. Uh, it's it's tough. It can be confusing. You you are trying to figure out well how does all this beauty correspond to the almost kind of ugliness that I'm confronting in in my marriage and in my life. So it's a total cliche. They say necessity is the mother of invention, right? But in this case, it was true. Neither of us were finding the kind of pastoral accompaniment and support that we needed. We found a lot of 
uh, practical stuff. We, we uh, charted our cycles. We both found NAPRO doctors in our area. Uh, we were doing all of the things uh, to to try to optimize our fertility and you know to to do things according to the teaching of the church, but on the spiritual and the pastoral side, we just didn't find the support. And so she and I were the first ones to kind of support each other, and uh, and it just sort of blossomed from there. And we discovered so many more people out there just like us. Who are having the same kinds of emotions? I know we'll we'll get into what some of those things are in a moment, uh, but you know this this is a heavy cross, and as I said, it has to be carried within the marriage by the couple. Um, but I really think that it also needs to be carried in community and in friendship. And at Springs in the Desert, you know, we believe that that's possible and we're doing everything that we can to, to sort of nurture that community. It sounds weird, but I love what you said about it feeling ugly because again, having, having been through it myself, I was ugly is such a accurate word for how it felt because especially in the church, mothers are held at such high regard. And then you're, here struggling with not being able to conceive on your own and it's like I struggled with a feeling of worthiness in the church I actually stepped away from the church for a while because that was such a like you said it's such a heavy cross to bear I almost felt like I didn't belong and it's also such an isolating journey so I think you're absolutely right that it's something that needs to be talked about more and so that we can form communities like this because like you said I felt like I had nowhere to go when when we were on our own journey it was just myself and my husband and it's such a private intimate conversation that you right. can't just you know put it out there and, and my friends weren't having any trouble at all so I felt like I couldn't relate to anybody it was just so I really love that this organization exists and I hope that the people who are listening that need to hear this are hearing it so that they can come find springs in the desert and be a part of this this community that you have built let's dive in a little bit more to infertility itself what does infertility mean and are there different types of infertility yeah so it it feels like it should just be so cut and dried right but um but it but it's really a, a bit more complex and there are sort of layers to it so generally speaking um a, a couple is said to be struggling with infertility if after 1 year of unprotected uh sex they have not conceived and then as you get older that timeline is is pushed back a little bit so when you're in probably around your mid 30s or so or maybe even a little bit a little bit before that, uh, it's usually about six months of of unprotected sexual relations uh, with no pregnancy, and then you know you kind of go a little bit further into more layers of it. So there's primary infertility. That's the situation with my husband and I, and with Kimberly and her husband, um, never having been pregnant. 
Uh, there is secondary infertility. And, you know, that that one is a little bit tricky. And I think it's a unique cross of its own. And this is a situation where a couple perhaps has one or maybe two living children, maybe even more, but they wanted to grow their family size. Um, and they're, but they run into infertility. And I, I want to pause on that for just a second, because you mentioned the isolation that is felt when you're going through infertility. Uh, you know, there's a sense of shame that goes along with it, especially in the Catholic space, right? Because, you know, be fruitful and multiply and, um, and people can make all sorts of assumptions uh, about a couple if they don't have any children or if they only have one. Um, we can talk about that as well. But when you're in a situation of secondary infertility, let's say you have one child, uh, you, you are feeling somewhat of, of pressure from that child. Sometimes mommy, you know, I want a brother or I want a sister. So, so there's that, there's that deep desire to have more children. Uh, and then, you know, there is a sense, like you mentioned, Rachel, of not quite belonging, right? Like you only maybe have one child. It could be awkward in the mom's group even, right? Cause you know, people will say, Oh, you know, how many do you have? Or, it's just amazing the things that people will say, you know, well, when are you going to have more? Um, people sometimes just feel very free to get really personal. Um, so you, so there can be an awkwardness there. At the same time, a woman might feel awkward coming to a place like Springs in the Desert because she'll say, I have a child. I, you know, I don't have a right to grieve uh, my secondary infertility. And so there's a kind of double isolation that can come with a situation of secondary infertility. Similarly is miscarriage, or, or some people like to say uh, pregnancy loss, uh, that can be one or it can be recurrent. Um, and, and that is a, a huge, a huge grief and a struggle. Uh, there's male factor infertility. There's loss of fertility due to a diagnosis, to cancer, uh, to hysterectomy, um, or entering into menopause. So the, the experience of infertility is really multi-layered. It's not a one-size-fits-all, but there are uh, some parts of this experience that are really pretty universal to all of us, like the the isolation and the shame and the assumptions that people uh, can make about us um, when they're just sort of looking at at our family size. My favorite is the, are you guys going to try for a girl or are you going to try oh. for a boy? And I'm like, like I, I love that you brought up pregnancy loss because- mm -hmm that that's another one where you might be struggling on different fronts in in our case for for instance we struggled for years to even get pregnant and then we got pregnant and we lost the pregnancy mm -hmm. and there's no real sense of closure with a miscarriage because you can't have I mean I'm sure some people do but there there's no real funeral to go to for that there's no physical closure at least there wasn't for us and then then there's that constant worry of, is that going to be the only chance I get to be pregnant? You know, what if it never happens again? So there's that, it's it, I, the best way to describe it is it's such a cross and it's a cross to carry no matter, no matter how long it is. And I know for some, you know, myself, you know, speaking from personal experience, um, it's temporary 
but it's when you're in it, it feels like forever. Our, our personal time in this journey for infertility was about three and a half, four years, but it felt like an eternity. And then I know others who um, are still on that journey of infertility and it, it might never end. And um, we talked a little bit about that, that struggling of feeling less than of being isolated of the numerous mental health challenges that come along with this. Can we expand on on that a little bit about the mental health toll that infertility takes on a couple and um, what are some ways that they can combat that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we, we talked about that sense of shame, which is something that we feel, but, um, but there's no need to be ashamed you know, having trouble conceiving or not being able to bring a child to term is nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. Um, You know, we like to say that infertility is a circumstance. It is not our identity. So the infertility doesn't define who we are, or it doesn't label us as less than the family that you know fills up the pew on Sunday, or or has the you know the the little bus <laughs> parked in the parking lot. You know, when we pull into church, we can see that. And, and it can, you know, even that very simple innocuous thing can, can sort of bring those feelings out to us. So, so it does take a toll in that way. There's the spiritual toll, right? Like the lies that the evil one wants to plant in our brains. Uh, you're not worthy. You wouldn't be a good mom or a good dad. Um, God doesn't love you. God has uh, abandoned you. So those those are the kinds of thoughts and and the negativity that we sometimes just kind of have on a loop uh, in our minds. And then of course, infertility can take a toll on the marriage, right? I mean, men and women are different. I think we can still in this space, we can say that safely, right? There's a difference between men and women. Um, and so we grieve and we process differently. On top of that, we have our family of origin and whatever kind of baggage we bring with that and just our different personalities. And so when we are in this struggle, whether it's infertility or we're coping with the loss of our child, um, you know, we will, we will grieve differently and process differently within the marriage. And so I think that's a really important thing to be aware of. And, you know, for me, just speaking from my experience and as a woman, I was very emotional about it, you know, especially, I mean, we're the ones who take the pregnancy test. Most often we're the ones who are taking medication or going in for tests. You know, there are situations in, in which men will, will have to have a procedure or, you know, take medication or what have you. But, but when you're doing treatment, the brunt of it really Um, is on the woman. And so you can become very emotional. My husband was not emotional in that way. And so I would just assume he didn't really care that much. It didn't bother him. Or maybe he doesn't really want children and he just doesn't want to say it. That caused some, some conflict in our marriage. When I finally just, I don't know if the Holy Spirit just kind of knocked me in the head and woke me up, um, but when when I finally just went to him and talked with him about it, 
you know, he was able to open up and say, yeah, this hurts me too. And, and it, it hurts me to see you, you know, feeling emotional or feeling effects of, of treatments. Um, and, and so I would say that it's so important for us as, as couples in our marriage to number one, nurture our marriage and number two, to communicate with each other. Um, we, we have to have those lines of communication open or else we're going to make assumptions about each other. Just like the people out there can make assumptions about us. They might assume that we're contracepting or, you know, we just want nice things and vacations. And so we don't want children. Well, in the marriage, we can make those, you know, not the same, but, but different kinds of assumptions uh, about each other. And so it's really important for us to, to try to stay united uh, to each other and, and to be spiritually united, you know, to pray together. Um, it's important for us to, to go to the sacrament of confession as often as we need to. And, you know, one thing I really want to emphasize in this spiritual aspect is when we are thinking about these emotions, we talked earlier about the ugly, right. And the crying and the emotions, you know, we're going to feel things like jealousy, we're going to feel things like anger. We might we might feel resentful. Just to know that feelings are not sinful. Okay, they these kinds of things will come up when you get you know the tenth pregnancy announcement in in your Facebook feed. You're going to react, and and that's okay. Allow yourself, give yourself the space to react when you start to just dwell on that and you feed resentment. That's when the evil one is is trying to um, kind of manipulate you and and draw you into sin. And so recognize that, be able to express those emotions, recognize it. And if it starts to get out of hand, then it's it's time to go to confession and to lay all that out and to start again, because it's really only through God's grace that that you'll able to you'll be able to combat those kinds of negative emotions when you were talking about some of those feelings like it just brought up so many memories i remember i remember having to delete most of my social media apps because i could not take one more pregnancy announcement one more you know first birthday or gender reveal and it just because every time i would have not only an emotional reaction but i would have a physical reaction and the just feelings of of guilt that would seep in that I wasn't good enough that I wasn't uh, a good enough wife like I felt like I couldn't do this for my husband and it wasn't until my husband is a fixer so his form of guilt came in you know and he wouldn't talk about it because he's a man and he doesn't like to show emotions right it was the same thing like like you had said he he would muscle up and just try to fix it like he and because this was something that he couldn't take a hammer to he struggled more internally than I was you know I would cry every month and he would try to go off and find something to fix and it wasn't until we had that that sit down and that face-to-face of like how are you really doing how are you handling this because I feel like (laughs) I'm overreacting he's but I feel like you're underreacting it's it's such a big communication and like you said part of that communication also has to be with God. Um, I remember specifically going to confession and 
I've told the story before, but I practically yelled at this poor priest because I was like, I don't understand. God put this on my heart and it's not happening. And I'm so angry with him. And now I feel bad because I'm angry at God. And he was like, um, I'm pretty sure God can take it. Absolutely. (laughs) And he said exactly what you said, which is like, your feelings are not sinful. Your emotions are not sinful. It's, it's if you dwell on them and continue to let them push you in a direction that is negative, that maybe these aren't just your feelings anymore. This is, this is the evil one trying to, trying to manipulate you. That's such a, such a powerful word for that because it's exactly what happens. Yeah. And we had talked in, um, in another episode I did recently about worry and overwhelm. And I feel like those, lots of those, the stress that comes with trying to get pregnant, there's a physical, a mental and a spiritual aspect to dealing with all of that. And, and you touched on that briefly about the, the things that we can do, like going to confession, what other tips have maybe the, the community shared that have worked for them? Um, that we can share here. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to emphasize again to nurture your marriage, lean on each other, you know, do those date nights, you know, take time to have fun and to play. And sometimes we can feel guilty because, you know, trying to conceive becomes like our job and we're charting and we're getting treatments and, you know, we have to schedule intimacy and, and all that sort of thing. And, and we can kind of forget to just have fun with each other and to be with each other. So that is really important. We talked about the communication, which is also um, so important. I want to also mention um, the, the trying to conceive and the treatments um, and even the charting if if ever it gets to be too burdensome it's okay to kind of hit pause on that so give yourself permission to do that again you know i mean i mentioned that we got married when uh when we were a little bit older so it just felt like that that biological clock was like a gong in our ears you know and you can feel so much pressure um that doesn't help you know <laughs> that doesn't help your chances of conceiving either So, you know, when you need to give yourself permission to take a break and talk with your healthcare provider, honestly and openly about your treatment plan, you know, we're so fortunate in this area to have divine mercy care and, um, Caroline Gindhart is a nurse practitioner and she is actually one of the contributors, um, for our ministry. And, um, she just speaks so beautifully about, you know, working together in like a partnership with your healthcare provider and, you know, letting them know, Hey, this, this treatment is taking a toll on my body, or it's very stressful, or it's kind of causing some tension in, in our marriage. How can we alleviate that? Maybe it's pulling back on a certain medication, or maybe it's, Hey, we're just going to take a break for a little while. Um, so, so talk with your healthcare provider. Don't be afraid of that and give yourself that permission to, to kind of rein it in a little bit if you need to and seek counseling if you need it. You know, there's no shame in having someone to go to, to talk to. We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. 
Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.